Ashley Rock, reading Nora Roberts' book, Sea Swept, Chapter 16. Drone was Ethan's strong point. The other boats he built, he worked off very rough sketches and detailed measurements. For the first boat, for this client, he fashioned a lofty platform and had found work from it was easier and more precise. The skiff he built and sold had been a basic model with a few tweaks of his own added. He's been able to see the completed project in his mind easily enough and had trouble envisioning side of or interior views, but he understood that the beginnings of a business required all the forms. Philip had told him to sign and needed something more formal, more professional. They would want to develop a reputation for skill and quality quickly if they expected to stay afloat. So he spent countless hours in the evenings at his desk struggling over the blueprints and drawings of their first job. When he unrolled his completed sketches on the kitchen table, he was both pleased and proud of himself. This, he said, holding down the top for him, is what I had in mind. Cam looked over Ethan's shoulder, except the berry he just opened. Uh, I guess that's supposed to be a boat. Insulted, but not particularly surprised by the comedy. I'd like to see you do better, Rembrandt. Cam shrugged, sat upon closer, more neutral study. He admitted he couldn't, but that didn't make the drawing. The slope looked any more like a boat. I guess it doesn't matter much as long as we don't show you your art project to the client. He pushed the sketch aside and got down to the blueprints. Here, Ethan stopped with precision and patience with him. Okay, now we're talking. You want to go with smooth lap construction? It's expensive, Ethan began, but it's good at advantages. It's got advantages. You'll have a strong, fast boat when we finish. I've been on a few. You've got to be good at it. We'll be good at it. Cam at him. Yeah. The thing is, as a matter of fact, Ethan nudged the sketch of the completed boat back over. Take skill and precision to smooth lap a boat. Anybody who knows boats recognizes that. This guy, he's a Sunday sailor, doesn't know more than basic port and starboard. He's just got money. But he hangs with people who know boats. And so we use him to build a rep. Can't finish. Good thinking. Studied the figures, the drawings, the views. It would be a honey. He mused. All they had to do was build it. We could build a lift model. We could. Building a lift model was an old and respirable stage of boat building. Builds of equal thickness would be pegged together and shaped to the desired hull form. Then the model could be taken apart so that the shape of the mold frames could be determined. Then the builders would trace the shape of the planks or lifts in their proper relation to one another. We would start the lofting. They amused him. I figured we could start work on that tonight and continue tomorrow. That meant drawing the full-size shape of the hole on a platform in the shop. It would be detailed, showing the mold sections, and those sections would be tested by drawing in the longitudinal curves waterline. Yeah, why wait? Cam glanced at Seth, wondered in the rage of refrigerant. Though it would be better if we had someone who could draw work diddly, he said casually and pretended not to notice Seth's sudden interest. As long as we have the measurements and the works for his class, it doesn't matter. Defending his work, Ethan smothered a hand over his rendition of the boat. Just be nicer if we could show the client something jazzy. Cam lifted from Philip would call it marketing. I don't care what Philip would call it. The stubborn line between form between Ethan's eyebrows a sure sign that he was about to dig into something. The client's satisfied with my other work. 
and he's not going to be critiquing a drawing. It was a damn boat, not a picture for his wall. I was just thinking, Cam let it hang as Ethan, obviously irritated, rushed against his own beer. Lots of times in the boatyards I've known, people come around and hang out. They like to watch boats being built, especially the people who don't know squat about boat building, but think they do. You can pick up customers that way. So, Ethan popped the top of me. I don't care if people want to watch us rubbing laps. He did, of course, but he didn't expect it would come to that. It'll be interesting. I was thinking if we could have good frame sketches on the walls, boats we've built. We haven't built any damn boats yet. You're a skipjack, Cam pointed out. The work boat, the one you already did for our first client, and I put in a lot of time on two mastered schooners up in Maine a few years ago, and a snazzy little skiff in Bristol. Ethan zipped in. Maybe it would look good, but I'm not voting to hire some artists to paint pictures. We've got an equipment list to work out. Phil's got to finish fiddling with the contract for this boat. Just the thought, Cam turned. Seth was still standing in front of the wide open for him. Want a menu, kid? Seth jolted and grabbed the first thing that came to hand. A carton of blueberry yogurt wasn't what he had in mind for a snack, but he was too embarrassed to put it back. Stuck with what he considered Phil's health crap, he got out of food. I got stuff to do. I got stuff to do. He muttered in a hurry now. Ten bucks as he fused that to the dog. Cam sat lightly and wondered how long it would take that to start drawing boats. He had a detailed and somewhat romantic sketch of Ethan Skipjack done by morning. He didn't need Philip's presence in the kitchen to remember he it, him it was Friday, the day before freedom. Ethan was already gone, sailing out to check crab pots and rebates. Though Seth had tried to plot how to catch all three of them together, he simply hadn't been able to figure out how to delay Ethan's dawn departure. But two out of three, he thought, as he passed the table where Cam was brewing silently over his morning coffee, wasn't bad. Took at least two cups of coffee before any man in the Quinn household communicated with more than grunts. Seth was already used to that, so he said nothing as he sat down his backpack. He had a sketchbook with his finger wedged between the pages. He dropped it on the table as if it didn't matter to him in the least. Then, with his heart skipping, rummaged through the cupboards for cereal. Cam saw the sketch immediately, smiling into his coffee. He said nothing. He's considering the toast he'd managed to burn when Seth came to the table with a box and a bowl. That damn toaster is defective. He turned it up to high again. Philip told him and finished beating his egg white and chai vomit. I don't think so. How many eggs are you scrambling there? I'm not scrambling any. Philip slid the eggs into the omelet pan he brought from his own kitchen. Make your own. Jeez, was the guy blind or what? Seth wondered he poured milk on his cereal and gently nudged the sketchbook an inch closer, an inch closer to the can. I wouldn't kill you to add a couple more while you're doing it. Cam broke off the pieces of charcoal toast. He had almost learned to like it that way. I made the coffee. The sludge, Phil corrected. Let's not get delusional of Grand Deer. Cam sighed lustily and rose to get a bowl. He picked up the cereal box that sat beside Seth's open sketchbook. He could all but hear the bull grind his teeth as he sat back down and pulled. Probably going to have company this weekend. Philip was concentrating on browning the omelet to perfection. Ew. And uh, Kim slopped milk into his bowl. I'm going to take her sailing, and I think I've got her talking to cooking dinner.
all the guy could think about was girls and feelings. Got set aside and in disgust, used his elbows to shove the sketch pad closer. Cam never glanced up from a cereal bowl. When he saw Philip slide the omelet from pan to plate, he judged it time to make his move. Seth's face was steady and agonizing fury. What's this? Cam said absently, cocking his head to view the sketch that was all but was by now all but under his nose. Seth nearly rolled his eyes. It was about damn time. Nothing, he muttered, and gleefully kept eating. Looks like Ethan's boat. Cam picked up his coffee, glanced at Philip. Doesn't it? Philip stood, sampling the first bite of his breakfast, proving it. Yeah, it's a good drawing. Curious looked at Seth. You do it? I was just fooling around. A flush of pride was creeping up his neck and leaving his stomach dirty. I work with guys who can't draw this well. Phil gave Seth an absent pat on the Nice work. No big deal. Seth said with a shrug as the thrill burst through. Funny. Ethan and I were just talking about using sketches of boats in the boatyard. You know, Phil like advertising or work. Philip settled down with his eggs. Was their bro and both surprised and approval. You thought of that? Calling me amazed. Good idea. He studied the sketch more closely as he worked it through. Frame it rough, keep the edges of the sketch raw. It should look working man, not fancy. Cam made a sound in his throat as if he were moaning over. One sketch won't make much of a statement. He frowned and said, I guess you couldn't do a few more, like of Ethan's work boat, or I got some pictures of a couple of boats I've worked on. I don't know. Seth's about to keep the excitement out of his voice. He nearly succeeded in keeping his eyes bored when they met Cam's, but... Little lights of pleasure dancing, maybe. It didn't take Philip long to clue in. Catching the drift, he reached for his coffee and nodded. Could make a nice statement. Climate clients who come in would see different boats we've done. It'd be good to have a drawing of the one you're starting on. Cam's going, Ethan's got a pathetic sketch. It looks like a kindergarten project. <laughs> Don't know what can be done about it. Then he looked at Seth. Narrow thought, maybe you can take a look at it. Seth felt laughter bubbling up in his throat. And gamely swallowed it. I suppose. Great. You got about 90 seconds to make the bus kid or you're walking to school. Shit! Seth scrambled up, grabbed his backpack, and took off on a flurry of pounded sneakers. When the front door slammed, Philip sat back down. I swear, Cam. I have my moments every now and again. How'd you know the kid could draw? He gave her a picture he'd done of the pup. Hmm. So what's the deal with her? Deal? Cam went back to his pitiful toast and tried not to envy Philip's eggs. Spending the weekend sailing, cooking dinner, haven't seen you sniffing around any other women since you came on the scene. Philip ran into his coffee. Sounds serious. Almost domestic. Get a grip. Cam took an uncomfortable little lurch. We're just enjoying each other. I don't know. She looks like the picket fence type to me. Cam snorted. Career woman. She's smart. She's ambitious, and she's not looking for complications. She wanted a house in the country, Cam remembered, near the water with a yard where she could plant flowers. Women always look for complications, Philip said positively. Better watch your step. I know where I'm going, and I know how to get there. That's what they all say.
Anna was doing her best not to look for or find complications. It was one of the reasons she decided against seeing Cameron on Friday night. He made work her excuse and compromise by telling him she'd be at his house bright and early Saturday morning for a sale. When he wheedled, she weakened and promised to make lasagna. The part of her that gained so much pleasure from watching others eat what she prepared herself came from her grandmother. Anna believed that was something to be proud of. Though she didn't commit to spending the night, they both realized it was understood. She took the evening for herself, changing out of her suit and into baggy sweats. She put some of her favorite music on, nestling Billie Holiday between Verda and Cream. She put a glass of good red wine and watched the sunset. It was time, she knew, long past time, to do some clear thinking, some objective analyzing. She knew Cameron quit only a matter of weeks, yet she allowed herself to become more involved with him than with any other man who touched her life. This level of involvement hadn't been in her plans. She usually planned so well. Steps she took, both professionally and personally, were always carefully thought out. She knew that was a protective action, one she had decided upon coolly at an early age. If she thought about where each step was leading or could lead, held back on impulse and depended on intellect, it was much harder to make a mistake. She felt she made too many mistakes years before. If she had continued along the path she blindly raced down after losing her innocence and her mother, she would have been doomed. She had to learn not to blame herself for the things she had done during the dark, that dark part of her life, not to wallow in guilt for the guilt for the hurt she'd caused the people who loved her. Guilt was a negative emotion. Anna preferred positive actions, results, direction. What she had chosen and accomplished had been for her grandparents, for her mother, and for the terrified child curled on the side of a dark road. It had taken time, a long healing time, before it came to her that while she lost her mother, her grandparents had lost their only child, a daughter they loved. Despite their grief, they opened their home to Anna. Despite her destructive actions, their hearts never faltered. Eventually, she learned to accept the loss, the horror she'd experienced. More, she learned to accept that everything she had done for the two years following that night was the result of a wounded soul. She was fortunate to have been, to have people love her enough to help her heal. When she found her way again, she promised herself that she would never be reckless again. Impulse was saved for foolish things, spending springs long fast drives to nowhere it had become so important to her that she remained basically practically motivated and rational that she had buried the reckless bit of her heart now she thought it was the same heart that had led her to this loving cameron quinn was ridiculously reckless and she knew it was going to cost her but her emotions were her own responsibility she decided that was something she had to learn the hard way she would handle them and she would survive them, but it was just so odd, she admitted, and leaned against the open patio door to catch the early evening breeze. She'd always believed that if she ever experienced love, she would be aware of every stage of it. She'd hoped to enjoy it, the gradual slide, she'd imagined, the mutual awareness of deepening feelings. But there had been no gradual slide, no gentle fall with Cam. It was one fast, hard tumble. One moment she felt attraction, interest, enjoyment, then it seemed she'd be... Then it seemed she no more than blinked before she was headlong in love. She imagined it would scare him to death as he was racing for the hills. The, match, the image made her laugh a little. They were well matched there, she decided. She would like to do some fast running in the opposite direction herself. She'd been prepared for an affair, but far from ready for a love affair. So analyze, she ordered herself. 
What was it about him that made the difference? His looks on a little hum of pleasure? Close right. There was little doubt that that's what had gained her attention initially, but women wouldn't look twice and look again at those dangerous dark looks. The rep- Restless, steel-colored eyes, the firm mouth that was equally appealing in a grin or a snarl. His body was the perfect female fantasy of tough muscles, rough hands, and lean lines. Naturally, she'd been attracted. His quick mind had intrigued her. So had his arrogance, she admitted. That was a lower thought, but it was his heart that had changed everything. Oh, she hadn't expected that generous heart recklessly generous he had so much to give and was so unaware of it he thought himself selfish hard-bitten even cold and she imagined he could be but when it counted most he was warm and giving she didn't think he was fully aware of how much he was offering seth or how their relationship was changing she sincerely doubted he fully understand that he loved the boy and anna realized it was the blind spot he came to his own goodness that had undone her she supposed when it came down to it, falling in love with him had actually been sensible. Staying in love with him would be disastrous. She would have to work on that. The phone rang, distracting her, carrying her wine. She walked back in, picked up the portable on the coffee table. Hello? Miss Spinelli, working. She couldn't stop the smile. Working something out, yes? An arrow soared out of her stereo as she sat down, propped her feet on the coffee table. You? Ethan and I have a little something we're fiddling with tonight yet, and I'm not even going to think about work until Monday. He had a portable phone himself and had wandered outside where he might find some privacy. Was Seth's turn to do the dinner dishes, and he heard another plate hit the floor with a crash. We're calling for fair weather tomorrow. Are they? That's handy. We can still drive up tonight. It was tempting, but she already given in to too many impulses where he was concerned. I'll be there early enough in the morning. I don't suppose you have a bikini, a red one. She tucked her tongue in her cheek. No, I don't. Mine's blue. You waited a bit. Don't forget to pack. If I pack, if I stay, I keep the key to the bedroom door. You're so strict. He watched an egret sail over the water and into a neat nest atop a marker, make, making for home. He thought suddenly then. Just cautious, Clint, and very smart. How's the building coming? All along, he murmured. He liked hearing her voice, feeling the moist air move, watching the evening slide gentle as a kiss over water and trees. I'll show you when you're here. He wanted to show her Seth's sketch. He framed it himself that afternoon and wanted to share it with someone who mattered. We'll probably get started on the first boat next week. Really? That quick? Why wait? It's time to put her money down and see how the dice fall. I've been feeling lucky lately. From the house behind him, he had the puppy bark maddenly, followed by Simon's deeper tones and Philip's voice raising a half shout, half laugh, and echoed by the rarely heard sound of Seth's giggle. It made him turn, stare at the house, the back door open, and the two canine forms bullied it out, tumbling over each other as they reached the steps. And there, framed in the doorway, the kitchen light washing through was the boy grinning. Whatever pulled at Cam's heart pulled hard. For a moment, just one wild moment, he thought he heard the creak of the porch rocker and his father's low chuckle. Jesus, it's weird. The connection began to waver and crackle as he went, What? Everything. He focused. He found himself gripping the phone tire, yearning for the wild, almost desperate desire. You should be here. I'll miss you. I 
can't hear you. He realized he'd been stepping away from the house. Kind of knee-jerk denial of the sensation of being drawn in. Coming home, suddenly in, shake of his head. He walked back until the connection cleared. And thank God for the regularness of technology. I said, what are you wearing? She laughed softly, looked down at her baggy practical sweets, sweats. Why, nothing much, she purred, and both of them fell into the ease of phone flirting with various sensations of relief. A short time later, Cam set the phone on the porch steps and wandered down to the dock. Water lapped gently against the hull of the boat. Nightbirds were stirring, and the deep two-tone call of an owl in the woods beyond led the chorus. The sea was ink-dark under the fragile light of a thumbnail moon. There was work to do. New Ethan would be waiting for him, but he needed to sit there by the water for a moment. To sit in the quiet while stars winked on it, an owl called endlessly, patiently for its mate. He didn't jump when he saw the movement beside him. He was getting used to it. Couldn't count the times he sat on the same dock under the same sky with his father. It occurred to him that it was probably a little different to stay here with his father's ghost. But what the hell? Nothing about his life was the same at once as it once had been. I knew you were here, Cam said quietly. I like to keep an eye on things. Ray dressed in a fisherman's pants and a short-sleeved sweatshirt. The camera remembered had only been bright, had once been bright blue, dangled a line in them. Been a while since I did any night fishing. Cameron decided that if Ray pulled up a wiggling catfish, it would most likely send him over the thin edge of sanity. How close am I? He asked, thinking of Anna and just what the two of them did in the dark. Ray chuckled. I always respected my boy's privacy camp. Don't you worry about that. She sure is a looker, he said lightly. She tries to cover it up when she's working, but a man with a good eye can see through. He always had a good eye for the ladies. How about you? Cam hated himself for asking. It was such a peaceful night. Such a perfect one, but he never knew how long these visitations, hallucinations, whatever they were, would last. He had to how was your eye for the ladies, Dad? Sharp enough. Landed on your mother, didn't it? <laughs> Ray said. I never touched another woman after I made my vows to Stella. Cam, I looked. I appreciated. I enjoyed, but I never touched. You have to tell me about Seth. I can't. It's not the way it has to be. He did a good thing by the boy making him part of the business. You're starting by using his drawings. He needs to feel that he's part of things. I wish I had more time with him, with all of you, but that's not the way it has to be. Dad, you know what I miss, Cam? the silliest things, watching the three of you argue over something. There were times when your mother and I thought you're bickering us crazy, but I miss that now. An early morning fishing when the sun just starts to burn off the mist over the water. I miss teaching. I miss seeing that look on students' face when something you say, just one thing, clicks and opens the mind. I miss pretty girls in summer dresses and lying in bed at 3 o'clock in the morning listening to rain on the roof. <laughs> then he turned his head and smiled. His eyes were bright and brilliant blue as the sweatshirt they was. You should appreciate those things while you have them, but you never do. Not all the way. Too busy living. Now and again, you should try to stop to appreciate the little things. They'll build up if you do. I've got a lot more on my mind than rain on the roof right now. I know. You've got a mess on your hands, but you're sorting it. you still got to figure out what you want and what you need and what's inside you. you got more in there than you think. I want answers. I need answers. You'll find them. Very sick and placement. When you slow down. Tell me this. Your reason to Philip know you're here. They will. Race my when it's time for it. 
It should be a nice day for sailing tomorrow. Enjoy the little things. The sun faded away. End of chapter 16.